The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. I'm sitting at the uh, Northeastern Caribbean Command Post, looking out over an infinity pool into the Caribbean, where I see the island of St. Eustatius and Seba in the sunset. <coughs> What are you choking on your humble brag there? Uh, no, I'm actually choking on my uh, the, one of many rum punches I had today. Oh, excellent! Yes. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So, wifey came back from a cross-border shopping trip with a pair of Buddy the Elf Christmas boxer shorts. Okay. With Buddy's face strategically placed on the right thigh not the crotch uh-huh and that night when i took off my pants i said you feeling strong my friend call me elf one more time <laughs> he's an angry elf <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> look at you the movie elf may prove to be will ferrell's legacy don't you think i think it is because he you know he <sighs> He scored big. If you can have one of those seasonal movies that comes back year after year after year after year, you're set for life. I mean, that's why so many people do these Christmas movies. Tim Allen, you know, has those uh, those, those movies. Uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton with... Uh, yeah, but Bad Santa is a little bit different. Like, n- nobody thinks... Oh, it's that time of year to watch Bad Santa. No, but it but it gets it's on Netflix. It's on HBO. Yeah, I know when it comes back and it comes back, but it's not the kind of thing where you like it's the magic of Christmas in the eyes of a child. And this is the kind of movie you want to make sure they see, like how the Grinch stole Christmas, like fifty years after Will Ferrell is dead. What's left of Western society will consider that film right up there with Grinch. Probably, you know. Yeah, it'll be Elf. Santa's coming to town. It'll be Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. Shake and bike. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? And Anchorman. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Ah! That's, that's going to be his legacy. You know what? I've got something for you a little bit later on that picks up on this Christmas theme okay. that I think you're going to absolutely love. Okay. But we have to set that aside for a moment. Let's put a pin in that. I'm sure you heard the Mars lander wind sound. That is so cool. I posted it on my own blog, and it is the number one most viewed story today. I don't know if I buy it that that is what it sounds like if you were standing on the surface of Mars. I read how they came to the sound itself, and for as we hear it now...
it's because the octaves have been raised so that we ourselves can hear it because it's based upon vibrations. They didn't just stick a microphone out and record this. No, and the atmosphere of Mars is 1% that of Earth. So in other words, waves, sound waves wouldn't travel the same way they would because it's a near vacuum? Uh, because it's a near vacuum and because um, the only kind of waves that would travel with any sort of strength would be very low frequency ones. And that's why they have to transpose it up so many octaves so we can hear it. The wind is estimated to be blowing at 16 to 24 kilometers per hour, according to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. All right, fine. So it's a breezy day on Mars. I still kind of cool. I mean, um, I did a thing for Global News a little while ago about all the music that's been heard on Mars. Do you know what the first song ever played out loud on Mars was? As though that's possible, they actually had a speaker playing uh, music? I'm going to tell you how it was done. Do you know what it was? Couldn't tell you. Okay, Curiosity Rover. On its first birthday on the Martian service, there was uh, some kind of instrument that could be... Oh, I think I remember this. Right. It could be, it could be programmed to buzz. At a certain frequency, and so it sang happy birthday to itself. Yes, exactly. So that would have been yeah. played out loud. Well, wait a minute. There was a copyright issue associated with that. I guess it wouldn't pl apply on another planet. Well, it wouldn't. That's the point. Because I don't think there are any performing arts organizations on Mars yet uh, to collect on behalf of Warner Chapel, which was the owner of the rights of Happy Birthday, which has since, by the way, passed into the public domain. So it's, it's a moot point. Hey, I had a uh, chance to uh, play with that new Echo Plus second generation that Amazon sent us. Sent us? Okay, sent me. Okay. Because I was the one who showed up at their big media event. Oh, right, it, right, right, right. And then it sat in a box in the corner, unused, until my daughter went, um, are you ever going to use this? Check this out. And I'm like, I've just been so busy that I haven't. I, I didn't expect to get so much out of six inches. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> okay, I walked into that one. Uh, it has a three-inch woofer, a 0.6-inch tweeter with treble and bass that's adjustable by voice command. It'll stream your Amazon Music, of course, Sirius XM Internet Radio, Pandora, TuneIn, iHeart, and Spotify, which, of course, the big show is now on Spotify. So if you're a fan of Spotify, you can just tell your Alexa device to uh, talk to us or for us to talk to you more accurately. Uh, the neat thing, though, that I'm particularly keen on with the Echo Plus second generation is it has a built-in smart hub that makes voice control of smart home gear faster. And the great thing about it is that if you lose the internet at the house, you don't lose voice control over your switches. It has local voice control, so it'll still control your smart home if the internet goes down. So I'm going to send you a link from Geeks and Beats listener Tim Brunt. Oh, I know the one you're going to send me. I know the one. Oh, do, do you already know this? I'm going to guess. Okay, go ahead. There it is. There's the YouTube link. Oh, no. This is not what I was thinking. This is the Brunt Christmas Lights 2018. All I want for Christmas is the Leafs to win the cup. Oh. <laughs> synchronized it 
to his Christmas lights. Okay. Where is this guy? Yeah, he's in Markham, Ontario. Oh, he gives his address. Well, not his explicit address, but you might as well. This is something he's doing for the Children's Wish Foundation. He does these remarkable Christmas displays, like putting Griswold to shame, basically. So I did some digging into how you synchronize your Christmas lights to music. I'm surprised you haven't done this because this sounds just something like a, a father-daughter thing that you would do on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. It's a company called Lightorama that Tim is using. And so I've done the digging on what it takes to be able to set your lights to go on and off, synchronized to a musical track. The residential 16-channel starter pack controls up to 9,000 mini lights and includes the Showtime software that you need. For example, I can imagine Tim had the song and then he synchronized the music. But you can actually, using the Showtime software, buy uh, pre-sold sequences to match the music. For example, you, specifically in light of last week's episode where we were talking about Christmas music creep, Burl Ives' Holly Jolly Christmas is no, a no. downloadable preset at $24.11. And you can set it up to time perfectly to your lights. It's double the price if you want to edit the sequence yourself. But they also have Halloween, like the Adams Family theme. The Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett. Okay. And Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, you're kidding. Could you imagine? No, I can't. Actually, no, I can't because I, I remember seeing that once. I, I really do. Somebody had uh, doing the Thriller thing. There you go. So um, they also have patriotic sequences, so I thought I'd look up what that meant. Patriotic uh, music sequences from Lightorama include the Star Spangled Banner, no surprise. But I don't know if they've listened to the lyrics because... I don't think Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA really qualifies as patriotic in that traditional no, sense. No, that's a bad idea right there. Born down in a dead man's town The first kicker took us when I hit the ground End up like a dog that's been beat too much Till you spend half your life just to cover him up now Born in the USA That's a very bad idea. As I understand the song, it's all about what's wrong with the United States, not with what's right. Exactly, yes. And then David Bowie's Young Americans is in there for some reason. Um, if you mention, if Americans, if you mention the name, they just go nuts. I guess. Thing is, is that you also still have to have a license for the music because all it's providing is the sequences. So they provide links to Amazon's web store so you can buy the music for personal non-commercial use. Okay. I can see my, there's a couple of people in my neighborhood that aren't quite this crazy, but they, they're, they're, they're leading towards it. I can see that if the, if the uh, technology becomes a little bit more affordable and easier to use that they will do it. We we really rubbed people the wrong way with the Christmas creep episode last week, or or more accurately, I did. Uh, Yeah. Because I was, I was trolling people to a degree. And (laughs) mission accomplished. (laughs) Particularly. Yes. Yeah. Well, with the Burl Ives one particularly, but um, I mentioned a couple of songs that I liked as Christmas music. And one of them was the John Lennon one. And then I, I joked about the Paul McCartney and therefore trolling everybody by playing the Paul McCartney. We had a listener write in saying, you know what? You should check the chart because I bet the ratings fell through the floor. Because we were talking about how now we can graph that on a per minute basis. Yes. So I looked it up. 
And no, people did not tune out during Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> but they tuned out during Gala Peavy's I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. See, okay. However, they the listener did give it a shot. Like I, the point at which you get the dip is immediately after the first verse, and I gave it two verses. So it was like, oh, for crying out loud, this is still going? Skip. Yeah. And yeah. it skipped the 30 seconds, and then you see the, the divot in the ratings come back after about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the lesson for me here as the editor of the show is be careful how much you piss people off. They'll come back, but you don't want them to have to reach for the skip button in the first place. No, you don't. <laughs> well, thank you for coming back. I saw that email this morning, as a matter of fact, and I thought, uh, okay, I was going to reply, but I saw also that you were copied in the email. I think, no, this is Michael's baby. He's going to take care of it. I have nothing to do with this. So Dan Lynch, who, by the way, is the Geeks and Beats head carpenter, hasn't done any work around the newsroom. Have you noticed? I have, actually. Still has a security pass into the building. But uh, Dan, good point. He says, thanks for making me listen to even more Christmas music. <laughs> he says the only one he's heard that isn't nails on a chalkboard is all that i want by the weepies i don't know that one find, find that and uh find that and throw it in hang on let me find it here we go That's how long it took. No, I'm done. So, yeah. So, uh, want to say thank you very much, Dan, for uh, bringing that to our attention, I guess. I want to say thank you to Christopher Hazen, who is the newest member of the World's Worst Intern Program. Thank you very much, Christopher. Yes, for $1 an episode. He works on the program, doesn't do any actual work. We don't thank him for anything other than shilling out a buck to help keep uh, everything up and running uh, on the air. Are you all excited about going to CES? Uh, I'm, I'm actually very excited. I'm annoyed at all the email that we're getting from all the exhibitors. Yeah, everybody wants us to come see their innovative and revolutionary products that are neither innovative nor revolutionary. It's kind of like progressive rock. Let me have a look at just some of the things. Let's see here. So uh, L, there's an LG press conference. Yeah, if it's, if it's not blockchain, it's cannabis. It is the last travel adapter I will ever need. Every year, there's another one you'll never need. Luxury docking charging stations. Okay, so here's what you need to understand about CES is there are three primary buildings. Uh, there's building, uh, North Building, South Building, and East Building, if I recall correctly. And the East Building is where all of the automotive-related stuff is. Um, the North Building is where all the consumer electronic stuff is. And the South Building is where you get your big screen TVs and your Intels and stuff like that we are going to be in the north building on the north platform overlooking the entire space for our live on location show that i have confirmed you and i are both going to be there for yes okay i am desperately going to rely on you because you've been there a bunch of times i have not it's been my 10th year so i will be completely lost and i am going to follow you around like a lost puppy 
It's going to be fine. Um, the night before, there's the big unveiled event, which shows off the cream of the crop. And we will uh, check all of that stuff out. And then we'll be able to show it off on our live on Facebook live show from the floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center on opening day, January 7th or 8th. I can't remember which it is. I'll edit in whichever one it is. Seventh. Perfect. Um, and uh, so we'll build out like a, a Facebook event page so that you can subscribe to it and get the notification so that while you're on your lunch break, you can watch. Super X5 worldwide launch happening. This is a new type of headphone. Oh, dude, it's going to be all Bluetooth nonsense. In that RoboSense, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, that's uh, augmented reality gloves, I believe. Uh, multiple Internet of Things appliances connected to a single app. Okay, so you know how we were talking about that episode about the cam girls and how they have the remote controllable uh, adult toys? Yes, yes. I discovered that at CES four years ago. There's an entire section dedicated to teledildonics now. Uh, quick note to confirm, your RSVP for Pepcom's digital experience? No idea yeah, what that that's, is. Uh, it's another one of those preview nights. Uh, and it just goes on and on and on. You skipped right over the teledildonics idea? I, well, listen, I'm, I have no use for it, but I think we should probably investigate as a service to our listenership. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation. So you're probably wondering why the show is only 18 minutes long this week. I know I am. We had a technical glitch and we completely lost our guest interview. We're hoping to get the guest back, but in the meantime, I hope your commute was extra short this week. And if not, by all means, go on the internet and complain. That's what it's there for.